Dream big for what we can do here. Let's not be small thinkers. Let's take what we have, let's use it to our advantage, let's come together as a group, and let's go do it together. Hi again, everybody, and welcome to episode 46 of the All Dan Podcast. I am your host, Dan Scott. Good to have you with us. Furman off to a 3-0 and start on this brand new basketball season, and well, we're going to catch up with head coach Bob Ritchie here in just a moment to talk about those three games. And as we are recording this episode on uh, Thursday, December the 3rd, hopefully getting some clarity on an uncertain situation for the upcoming weekend as far as the schedule is concerned. Can't promise that's going to happen, but we're going to find out what we can find out during this time. Let me tell you, as always, a couple of things. Number one, the podcast is brought to you by our friends at Shortfields and Downtown Travelers Rest. Great people, uh, great food. You're going to love it there. And you can check out the menu and the operating hours online at the website shortfields.com. And then, as is always the case, if you have any questions or comments you'd like to pass along to Coach Richie, please email them to me at dan.scott at furman.edu, and we will get those to him as we continue our regular look inside the inner workings of the Furman University men's basketball program. Like I said, this is episode 46 of the All Den Podcast. I'm Dan Scott, the voice of the Paladins, and of course, as always, the guy who is the star of this show is the head coach of the Furman men's basketball team, Bob Ritchie, who's after last night, again, we're recording this on Thursday uh, December the 3rd, so after last night, a 3-0 and record following the 40-point win over Southern Wesleyan. Bob, good to see you again. How are you? Doing good, Dan. Always uh, always good coming after a, a win in, in Timmins Arena and, uh, you know, getting back to work. And it's been a little bit of an eventful, you know, 48 hours just with obviously game prep and, you know, trying to figure the schedule out. But we're, we're doing good. Guys are in the building, we had film this morning, and uh, just to try to clean up some stuff from the game, and uh, you know we'll have a we'll have a lot of skill and, and a little bit of a lighter practice today as as we rest up and continue to clean up and and, and prep for our next game. Well, you know we we normally come into this with a a litany of topics that we want to get into, and, and basically today we've got two, and uh, it, it's looking at the games and and then looking at. Uh, what was just announced again here on Thursday afternoon, uh, the schedule change. Where do you want to start? Because I know the schedule change thing, we're going to go kind of step by step through it and take our, our listeners inside the uh, uh, the all the minutiae <laughs> that took place. But you want to start with, with the, the three games so far? Absolutely, yeah. Either way, either way, if we want to, want to get into the games and then we can kind of talk about you know, what's transpired these last 48 hours and uh, kind of go from there. Yeah, well, a little broadcasting trick. We'll, ma- we'll make them wait for the meat of the of that schedule thing. They'll have to listen to the first part to get to the second part. 3-0 start. Obviously, you got to be happy with that. Two wins over uh, Division Two teams, but uh, I know you didn't take either of them lightly, and there were specific things you were looking for really in all three games. What's your general assessment after three games? Well, you know, I mean, Tusculum was a was a very good opponent at the Division Two level. Won 19 games last year, and you know, with testing protocol, Dan, this year we just decided to find teams early that were testing three days a week, and um, you know, we 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 knew that there weren't going to be um, any any possibilities of having to cancel due to lack of testing, and and also, you know, we we didn't want to play quite this many Division Two games. We were just having a hard time finding. D1 home games, so we wanted to challenge ourselves. So, 
you know, this wasn't your, your Carver Bible or your, you know, some of your, we call them non one games, right? Cause we've gotten outside the realm of just going and playing a solid D two, which we've picked three really good division twos. I mean, the Flagler, the one we got coming here in a few weeks beat central Michigan last night by 19 points. And, and then last night, Southern Wesleyan had beaten USC upstate. And, um, and so we knew these were going to be challenging games. The other thing I liked about the upstate game and the Southern Wesleyan game is, is we've played both programs the last three years. And, um, you know, we, we had plenty of film on both. And so we were going to be able to, you know, have a little bit of familiarity there. You know, I think that when you win two games by 30, basically, and a game by 40 uh, versus teams that, that you, ex- you know, if we played well, we expected to win those games. You're always going to evaluate the good and the bad. I think. I think from the good side of things, I think that we have scored the ball. I think we are rebounding the ball. I think we are playing with a little bit more pace, a little bit more depth. Uh, from the negative side of things, you know, just just wanting to play a little bit more consistent, a little cleaner, and 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 would like to shoot the ball a little bit better. You know, I think that for us, it's it's funny. You know, usually, usually offense is something that, that you know you don't want to say it comes easy by any stretch. But we're, we're we're wrestling a little bit more offensively right now than than defensively. We're probably we're, we're playing better defense than we were at this point last year. Just watching some games and getting ready for Southern Wesleyan and getting ready for Upstate. Our, our defense is ahead of where I thought it would be, and, and a lot of that is because we're older. Our offense has has had some ruts that um, you know that I felt like are are pretty you know, self-inflicting in a lot of ways. And, um, you know, whether it be turnovers or lack of ball movement or, or just, you know, moving the ball at the rate we want to, those have been the things that we got to continue to work through. You know, it's interesting. You, you, you've you scored in your three games 95, 91, and 89 points, and yet you've not done it with what you consider to be your level of three-point shooting. But your your shooting percentage inside the three-point line has been off the charts through your first three games. Yeah, and I mean, that's that's the beauty of it. You know, we've been able to get a lot of shots around the basket. We're, we're driving the ball very hard, and we're cutting, you know, pretty well. And I think I think this team is really, really good in the open floor. And so, you know, it, it's – you shoot we shoot, what, 20% from three last night. I think Alex was the only starter that hit a three. And, um, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not really like us. I think it's I think it's early game jitters. I really do. I mean, I, I watch us shoot all the time. I, I we keep all the metrics. I mean, we've we've shot in the ball as a team just as well in practice as we have the last few years. And you know, so I, I know our I know this team has capable shooters. And um, Alex can shoot the ball. Mike can shoot the ball. Clay can shoot the ball. Noah can shoot the ball. Slauson. I mean, all five of our guys can can can, can potentially hit three point shots. We just gotta you know we gotta continue to get the ones we want. Right, and and we got to make sure that our footwork is tight, and um, we're stepping into it with confidence. And you know, I think I think as we continue to get in these games, I anticipate us shooting the ball better. It seems that when Alex does hit them, though, they all come at very important times for you. They they have so far early this season. They did it last year, and I kind of harken back on one of the broadcasts already to another guy who who played in a, a similar situation here. He had two or, or three other major scorers around him, and he was running the point. But when you needed a tough shot in a tough situation, John Davis III was going to step up and hit that shot. And, and and at least I see the same thing out of Alex Hunter. He's a tough little son of a gun, isn't he? Yeah, Alex is very tough. And, um, you know, but he, he's been, I mean, all fall, he's been shooting the ball at a high, high percentage from three. And so, I mean, I'm, I'm still, 
I mean, even last night, I thought he turned down a couple that I wish he would have gotten in the air. And, um, you know, really just trying to unleash him to, if he can see the rim and he can jump up there and shoot a rhythm, let's shoot him because he's, I mean, he's making half of them right now. And, you know, when you just go on the math, I mean, that's, that's, that's going to be favorable. And, you know, his footwork for the most part is pretty clean. And, um, you know, I, I think that, I, you know, he's, he's going to be, he's going to be a great shooter for us all year. We, we even started to run him off a few screens and, um, you know, just to take advantage of his ability to shoot the basketball. So, you know, not just having him play the point spot, but also being a run off of some screens off the ball just to get him some, some better looks, you know, so he doesn't always have to feel like he has the ball in his hands. And um, that's something that I think is going to be, you know, it's something with this offense, being able to have Mike out there when Joe starts to get more comfortable uh, to let Alex, you know, kind of transition, in, you know, not just into a facilitator, but also an attacker and somebody that's aggressive to, to get to get points. The other thing that uh, we talked a little bit about in the uh, post-game radio interview last night was getting off to another slow start, and it was almost a mirror image of the USC Upstate game. Had the same number of points at the same juncture on the clock. I think there were four seconds difference in the clock from one game to the next. You're sitting there at seven points at 12-10 to go. And again, you look up and you finish with 89, which I know is, is really good, but you want to cut out that slow start business. Yeah, I mean, I just I think as we get into some of these games, like you just can't afford slow starts. And, um, you know, the, the saving grace in both those games is we were defending pretty well. And, um, you know, we start out last night up 7-0 and then we give up two threes off of just busted coverage. But, you know, it's 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 one of those situations, I think, for us, you know, we're, we're coming out of the gate and we want to score it early and, and we want to make shots and you know, we want to play well offensively. The issues were different both games. Two two games ago, it was too many stupid turnovers. And then last night, it was just the ball just got stuck. I mean, we just, it was, to me, it was very self-inflicted that we just weren't very cognizant to get the ball side to side. And, and you know, we just kept playing on one side of the floor. And, you know, they were loading up on us, which, which it's probably the same thing a lot of teams are going to do. They're going to try to restrict the paint. And um, you got to somehow get them out of the paint, right? And the way you get them out of the paint is you move it and, and you make the defense shift and um, you make the defense close out. And so I, I think I think those mistakes are correctable. I think it's early season stuff that, that we can continue to iron through. And, um, you know, I fully anticipate us being able to make those adjustments. This is episode 46 of the All Den Podcast with head coach Bob Ritchie talking some Furman men's basketball as we do every time out. One other thing we talked about in the radio postgame game. Uh, that we can expand on a little bit here is where you think your young players are defensively right now. Um, that That's always the biggest learning curve, I think, coming from high school to the Division I uh, level in college basketball. And I always hearken back to the time that I spent with Oliver Purnell when he was at Clemson and talking about having to, to rid his freshmen of what he called the high school trot when, when they made a basket and would trot back down the floor. Uh, how do you feel like your your three youngsters, and, and I guess four, we can put Johnny Lawrence in there now, along with Marcus Foster and and Garrett Heen and, and Joe Anderson. How do you feel like they're adjusting to playing defense at this level? You know, I think that it's 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 a great question. I think that you know, for all of them, it's it's a little bit different answer. You know, based on what I anticipated coming in through fall camp and what we're seeing in the game. Um, I, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I knew Garrett was going to be a really good player for us. 
he he's playing like a sophomore right now though i mean he's he's playing like somebody that's that's been out here for a year and it's you know he's got he looks seasoned and um he looks fluid in his movements and he's got very good game instincts and you know that's that's always that's always a trait that you don't really know that they have until you actually see them out there in games and um you know so his defense is uh, is a little bit ahead of where I expected. His ball screen coverages are much more sound than I anticipated. He just has really good um, anticipation skills. And so I've been pleased with that. He, you know, focus and concentration just for any freshman of just being able to play the full possession sometimes, you know, they got to continue to work through that. But, you know, I think he's ahead of where I expect him to be right now. You know, Joe Anderson is somebody that, you know, Joe's got a world of potential and, and I know Joe wants to play a little bit better than he is right now. I think it, it's easy for us to sometimes get down on freshmen. But, you know, if you really look at it in the three games, he, he's just had tough starts his first his first run in all three games. And then once he's had that second run, he's kind of settled in and played a little bit better. I think right now what I told Joe is, you know, he, he just like a lot of freshmen, they come in the game and they think, OK, I want to go play well. So I got to score it and I got to create offense. And that's where their focus is. I think for him, he's going to have to flip that when he checks in the game. It's like, I got to make sure I'm locked in defensively and just let the offense, you know, let it flow, right? Just just play off your instinct and, you know, make sure you're focusing on the defensive end of the floor. Marcus has a chance to be our best defender on the team. And, um, you know, that's just because of his athleticism. His, the combination of his feet, his length, his athleticism, and his size just of itself will create a, a fantastic defender. Again, for him, he's still working himself into shape a little bit. And, um, you know, Marcus likes to gamble. In high school, they played out in the passing lanes and denied a good bit. So understanding our gap coverages and things like that, he's got to his, – his deal is more foot positioning. Uh, but he's going to get there. You know, he, he had a couple of breakdowns last night where he's gambling and uh, ends up hurting us a little bit. I'll tell you what, though, Johnny Lawrence has come in and, and, and has played really, really hard in small spurts. And, um, you know, he's, he's got – I mean, I think he's gotten six rebounds in eight minutes – and he just looks good out there. I mean, you just, in terms of his frame, his body, again, he needs some game reps and, and, and seeing the pace and the intensity of our defense. But he does give us somebody that's, that's long and big. I don't know if anybody caught it. There, were tw there was twice last night we actually moved Noah to the three, and we played three bigs at one time. And, um, you know, we actually went on a run both times. And so a lot of different versatility that we can do with this team. But all four of the freshmen are working really hard. I don't think they're anywhere close to being finished products on the defensive end, but I do think they're progressing in the right direction. You know, one of the things that, that we commented on where Marcus Foster was concerned last night, there there were a couple of possessions uh, that, that happened uh, within just a, a few minutes of one another where he posted up, got the, the entry pass, and was able to turn to the basket and score. And the comment was, man, he looks really comfortable playing down there with his back to the basket. Yeah, I mess with him occasionally. I tell him, like, you know, you you might be a post player, you know, and I just try to get a couple laughs out of him. And he, he hates when I tell him that. But he uh, the post move he had was very, very nice. And, you know, it's a little bit how we utilize clay. You know, we'll, we'll go down there and post clay occasionally on the perimeter. And uh, he has he's he's got he's got ability to score the ball around the basket. And that's something that we're going to continue to utilize. Well, after the 3-0 and start, the, the next game on the schedule was uh, number 19, Richmond, and they jumped into the top 25 after beating Kentucky. We are in a, a uh, 
Zoom external team meeting uh, on Tuesday afternoon, and it's right around 2.30 p.m. when Jordan Kasky, and I, I, he's the sports information director for basketball, and so I jokingly called him the sports disinformation director after this, but he's the one who let everybody in the room know that uh, Richmond had paused basketball activities. So I, I thought it would be interesting for the fans to, to kind of hear the behind-the-scenes process of what it took to, to get that phone call or however you found out and then kind of take a step-by-step through what we announced today on Thursday that that game is officially canceled and, and now we're going to the College of Charleston for a 2 p.m. game on Saturday. So just kind of walk us through that. Uh, you're already smiling, I can see, because I know how much you love scheduling. Uh, but, but when did you find out about Richmond and, and then what transpired? I mean, Dan, as I'm sitting here listening to you say all that, it's like it's like my dad used to tell me when I was growing up, you know, he'd take a picture sometimes, he'd put it right in my face, and he would ask me, he's like, can you see this? And I'd say no, and then he'd kind of pull it back, and he'd say, well, can you see this? And I'd say, well, yeah. And he said, you know, that's the difference of being in the middle of something and not having great awareness of what's going on as opposed to stepping back and gaining. Yeah. When I just heard you say all that, I'm like, what are we doing? <laughs> you know, like, what, <laughs> what is going on? You know I mean? Like, we're supposed to play Richmond and we don't know if there's a game and now we're not playing Richmond and then we're going to play Charleston in two days and then we just announced it today and you're kind of sitting in and you're like, man, that sounds crazy. But in the middle of it, you just feel like it's the normal right now. And, um, you know, I, I think we all got the news the same way on Tuesday, seeing the tweet. Uh, fortunately, you know, we're pretty close with the Charleston staff. You know, I worked with their associate head coach, J.D. Powell at Charleston Southern he and I were together and remain good friends today. And Earl and I have known each other for a long time when he was an assistant at Winthrop and then went on, you know, obviously to Wichita State and Clemson and somebody that I've got a lot of respect for. So, you know, it was one of those deals where I knew their game was going to be canceled with Richmond. That's what got announced. And, you know, we started to try to get in touch with the Richmond staff. And, you know, Coach Grove was talking to the assistant that does scheduling. And then I know another assistant at Richmond pretty well. And so through gathering our information there, when you go through this, when you get cases, a lot of it is there's a lot of unknowns around it because you don't know the contact tracing. Is this a false positive? Can we test out? What does this mean if it's a non-player, if it's a player, if it's a support staff, full-time guy? Where was it? There, there's a lot of discussions and there's a lot of it, there's a lot of unknowns that have to be sorted out rel- relatively quickly. And so we get in this we get in this kind of bubble where it's like, hey, we're going to try to do this, but but we're going to have to have all these different tests, and we're going to have to see what happens, and then we might not know till Friday. And so it's kind of like, well, we need to play on Saturday because we've got at Cincinnati Wednesday, and it's going to be bus bus. And so to go six hours to Richmond, come back six hours, you know, and then to do that again, six hours to Cincinnati on Tuesday and come back you don't necessarily want to wear your team out. So that the difference between Saturday and Sunday was pretty critical uh, for us in this decision, just to have a little bit more space between the travel. And so we started trying to at least just line up a second option. And uh, the logical thing was Charleston's losing the Richmond game. Furman's losing the Richmond game. Like, let's just call them and see if, you know, they want to play. And um, we wanted to go on the road. I think we need to go on the road. We've had three home games. We need to go get that road experience. And, um, you know, so it was it was a deal where we start talking with our staff. There's a lot of teams in the region that that needed a game Saturday. I think that, you know, you had Georgia Southern, 
Uh, you had USC Upstate, which we'd already played them, Mercer and ETSU, uh, and even Wofford had lost a game, but they're all in the league. So you wanted to try to avoid that. Um, and so we just, you know, I mean, we had a game yesterday, Dan. I mean, I, I probably was on the phone two and a half hours yesterday messing with the schedule, you know, and just trying to hide this from our players and really just preaching to them, you know, we've got to focus on what's directly in front of us and let's go play this game and um, and we'll update you after this game. And, and we kind of hit it off from them. And, um, you know, dominoes start falling and um, it, it looked like in order for us to play the Richmond game, it was going to have to go at a later date, you know, if, if it was even going to be allowed or not. Um, and that's still kind of up in the air. And so we we kind of had to go with, you know, burden hand a little bit, you know, and, and, and Charleston finally called this morning and said that they've worked it out on their end and that they could play on Saturday, which was a huge piece of the decision. And um, and then and then they would agree to return the game here next year. So it's it, you know, I got to the arena last night. You know, you kind of have your routine. I usually get to the arena about an hour and a half before the game, after I go home, after pregame. And um, I was like, you know what? We still don't know what's going on. And I, I sent Jason, my boss, a text, and I just said, hey, while we're playing, do you mind just getting in touch with the AD there and seeing if you guys can work out a few things and figure out just where we are so that when we get done with the game, we can at least know, you know, what, what this is looking like. And of course, Jason was on it and um, got the information and the Richmond staff was great. The Richmond administration was great. Everybody worked really well with it. And um, we just agreed that, you know, but we're, we're, we're just going to postpone it. And, and I think that's, you don't know how this is going to go, right? I mean, we could both be looking for games in two weeks. You know, we could be in the middle of conference play and we're both looking for games in late January. Um, so Coach Mooney and I, you know, we talked again, we talked this morning and, and that's kind of how we left it is like, let's let's continue to look for a date. And, and if it makes sense to try to, you know, play at another date, let's do it. If not, we'll just, we'll just push the series a year um, if we can't find a date this year, because I think both teams, both parties like the series. And, um, you know, it's just like I've told you from the jump, man. I mean, you talk about flexibility. I mean, it's it's um, it, it's wild to be preparing for games, to be preparing for practice, to try to get kids ready to play and improve, but at the same time dealing with unknowns of scheduling. I mean, it's it, it's, it's it's pretty wild. And um, but we're thankful to be playing. We're, we're, we're thankful to be able to go down to Charleston and get a quality opponent. It's going to be a really hard game, and um, you know it's going to it's going to test us in a lot of, in a lot of areas. So, when you say if you can't find the date, you're going to push it a year. In, in case our fans don't know, um, we were supposed to go there Saturday, and Richmond was going to come back here uh, next season. So, w- would would that be the order that games will be played if we pushed it back a year? We would still go on the road first, and they would come here the following year. I would imagine so. I, you know, with everything so crazy, it's kind of like you're just so day to day. I mean, we kind of left it as like, hey, the, the objective right now is to try to find a date this year. You know, that's that's the that's the the goal. Um, and then if we can't, then we'll figure that out. My, my yes, I mean my 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 instinct, my gut from doing this for you know the amount of years we've all done it is yes. If if we weren't able to find a date this year, we would just go up there next year, and they would come back here the following. The other thing, and I don't know if you want to get into this or not, but but there was uh, a, a lot of talk and even speculation among the fans that I saw that another possible opponent 
should the Richmond game be canceled, was Stanford, who is in North Carolina and staying here for a couple of weeks because they're not allowed to play in their home county back there in Northern California. Was Stanford ever in the mix at all? Yes, we had discussions with Stanford. Um, I think that, you know, they, they got done playing in the Maui and Asheville yesterday, and um, they're trying to find a couple games we weren't able to get anything conclusive with them tied up in time. You know, it was kind of like, I just wanted to be able to, at practice today, be able to tell our team what we were doing. And so it was really just, you know, the first thing that, that we could run through the tape on and, and be able to say, hey, this is this is what we're doing 48 hours prior. And um, so when Charleston called this morning and, and, and said they had worked it out, uh, we, we decided that, hey, it's best uh, with 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 unknowns out there, it's best to go bird in hand and be able to you know prep to be able to do the best scout we can in a limited time fashion, and um, and, and and go down to Charleston and, and um, you know go ahead and take the for sureness of that game as opposed to waiting on something else. Yeah, I mean there there's no there's no science to this, and, and and there's no template that you can follow because none of us has ever been through anything like this before. So. I, you know, I, I think I've asked you this question before, maybe back in the spring when we were first dealing with this. And so I'll ask you again now, what have you learned about yourself during this process, especially now that we're in the season and you're kind of having to go through all this scheduling stuff you've gone through prior to even playing a single game? What have you learned about yourself, not just as a coach, but as a person? Uh, that, that I need sleep. <laughs> my wife, my wife has reminded me countless times that, you know, don't forget your body still is going to require adequate sleep. And so, you know, it's, it's just, you know, you get home last night, it's kind of late. You still don't know what the heck's going on Saturday and, and the way my mind works, I want to know. And so, you know, I, I want to figure it out and, and just slowing your mind down to say, Hey, just, just go to bed, wake up, you know, and we'll figure it out tomorrow. Um, you know, that's, 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 it's not always easy. You know, my personality type of wanting, wanting to know I'm, I'm kind of routine driven and, you know, we're pretty firm in our two day prep and our one day prep and how we get ready for games. And, you know, I just, I just wanted to know. And so it's, um, you know, you just gotta, you gotta control what's directly in front of you. And I've had to tell myself that a lot, like don't, there's been certain times where, you can allow yourself to stress over something that you probably don't need to stress over because if you do, you're going to have three or more things in that same day that are going to be of that same magnitude that the accumulation of that stress is going to take away your focus on what's most important. And you just have to let some things ride. And, um, you know, it's, it's not ideal. It's not perfect, but it is what it is. You know, and, and I think that for, for me, I've just got to manage it correctly and I've got to do it the best I can with it and, um, you know, make sure our, our team, just like I've said from the beginning, like I, I want our guys to, if they're going to let us play 27 games this year, we're going to go try to play 27 games. And if that means we got to play, you know, the Hornets, then let's go play the Hornets. If that means we got to go play um, Travelers Rest High School, you know, it, at, at the end of the day, like we, we just need games. And so, um, now for us, we want to get challenged. We want the we want the best opponents we can possibly get, and um, you know it's just you just got to kind of take things one at a time, and uh, not let yourself get overwhelmed with with all the with all the flying balls that are out there, and and allowing you know the main thing not to be the main thing. 
I don't know how comfortable you are in, in talking about others in your profession, but I, I think it's it's pretty obvious, at least for me, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, that you know here in, in, in this season, like some others, as Furman's basketball profile has continued to grow to the point that it's at now and still growing, that there are a lot of teams out there who don't want to play the Paladins and, and, and coaches who find themselves in a situation where they need games but they're not willing to play us or not willing to play other schools maybe who pose a similar threat. How much of that have you run into? Are you comfortable in, in talking about that at all? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, you've got – I've got my friends in the profession that we were kind of living all through this together a little bit and, and there's no there's no playbook for it. Um, you know, the, the tough part, Dan, is like when we're not in season – we're able to talk with each other a little bit more and, and have a little bit more time to say, well, how are you dealing with this? What are you doing here? What are you doing here? I mean, you know, Nico's going through this right now at Colorado State, and it's like we'll call each other, and it's like, well, I'm about to run into a meeting, or, hey, you know, here's what's going on. You got like 10 minutes, you know, and it's just like you're, you're, we're, we're, we're still talking amongst peers, but you've got so many other things going on. You know, you're having to kind of make decisions based on your instinct and based on, you know, the, the discussions that you're having with your staff, don't quite have as much time to, to gather opinions from others. But, you know, it's Coach Acuff. I mean, obviously everybody knows how close he and I are. They've, they've had six or seven cases they've had to work through and their schedule and all that's changed. You know, Nico's going through this here lately. Um, I've got some other friends that have, that have gone through some, some COVID issues as well that are just different. And, um, you know, it's kind of the same conversation, you know, like it's it can be it can be very unknown, uncertain and um, a little bit chaotic. And, and can you can you keep your feet on the ground and can you keep a good temperament as you work through it? And um, at the same time, you know, kind of keep the organization calm and, and continue giving faith that, hey, we're going to walk through this and we're going to, you know, we don't quite know what it's going to look like. But at the end of the day, uh, we're, we're going to get to the other side of this. Episode 46 of the All Dim Podcast continuing as we uh, chat with head coach Bob Ritchie. Uh, Tom and I were talking uh, at one point during the broadcast of the Southern Wesleyan game last night uh, about after having no events on campus for months since uh, I think the last broadcast I had done prior to the opening of basketball season was March the 12th. And, and being relegated to working at home and only seeing people on Zoom Getting back into the arena, and and even if you're only seeing people from a distance, still seeing people, some familiar faces, faces we work with, the handful of fans that are allowed into the game, there, there's just something that was an emotional lift. Do you allow yourself to, because I know what your focus is when you're in the arena and and, and, and preparing for a game and, and coaching a game, but do you ever allow yourself to step back and take a moment and say, man, it's good to see so-and-so in the stands, or it's nice to see somebody I've only seen on Zoom in the last six months. Do, do you give yourself uh, that, that little bit of an emotional lift? Yeah, I mean, it's just, I think it's good for all of us to just be out there, you know, and yeah. I think that it's almost, I was just telling one of my friends this morning, it, it's almost a win just when you walk out to the court before tip, you know, you feel like, I mean, all three times I felt like, all right, we're here. You know, the other team's here, we're here, everybody's healthy, we're about to play ball. And and it's like, you kind of get that, okay, cool. You know, it's we're, we're here. 
And then this morning you wake up and you got to go get tested again. And we got to get through testing and we got to wait around till tomorrow and we got to make sure we get results back. And then, you know, you, you kind of, there's just a little bit more, there's a few more hurdles in this thing that, um, you know, make it to where when you get to the game, it's a little bit of a relief. And so it's been nice to see some fans. It's been nice to get some text messages and emails and, um, you know, mostly positive, but, you know, everybody seems to be excited, you know, to, to, to be back in the building and to, to see basketball again. Um, not everybody's like that. You know, there's, there's still, there's still some people that aren't, aren't quite satisfied out there, which that's fine. We like that. And, um, but it's nice to, to hear the ball bouncing. It's nice to hear some fans cheering. Uh, it's nice to hear people talking about Furman basketball and uh, to, to, to at least be progressing through the start of the season. You know you're going through something completely different when you're even, I won't say happy, but you're even okay with getting criticized by fans or, or whoever it is because th- there was none of that going on for six, eight months. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, you know, it's it's all tongue-in-cheek. You know, that stuff, that stuff doesn't bother me. I mean, it's, I think somebody texts me, Somebody texted me a screenshot, and we were just laughing about it. I guess there was a fan that, you know, we were, we were turning the ball over um, all those times during the Upstate game, and, and um, I guess a fan tweeted or something that they should have taken the points. And um, I started laughing when my friend sent it to me. I said, well, you know what? When I was in the middle of the game, heck, if I'd have, if I'd have been a betting man, I would have taken the points too. We're throwing the ball all over the place. Looked like a dang popcorn machine out there. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things where – you know, again, I'm just glad and thankful that we're playing. Um, I'm glad that we have some fans in the building. And, um, you know, just so fans know that are listening, you know, right now we've got like, I, th- I think we're, it's like 250 max capacity, you know, and that's including players until we go to this next phase. All three games, we've had some open seats. And I think some of the fans are still under the impression that they're not letting anybody in. Um, if, if you want to come to a game and it's, you know, one of our home games, email John D'Angelo and see if there's tickets. And, um, you know, if they're going to let us have 200 in, let's get, let's get all 200 seats filled. And, you know, the easiest thing to do, if you have, if you have the desire to come to a game, try to find three others, try to find groups of four that you're willing to sit with, whether it be family or somebody you social distance with, because that's how you max the pods out. Um, it's not, it's not a, it's not a requirement, but if we want to, if we want to, you know, get as many people in there as possible under the CDC guidelines of 20%, they're, they're going to sit people in pods of four. So if there's only two there, then that leaves two seats open. So if, if you have, if you have four people and you want to come to a game, um, and then if you have a bigger group, obviously they can split those up and do that, but call, but email, call, text John D'Angelo, and um, we'll make sure we get you in the building because it would be nice for Flagler, who I referenced, just beat a Division One team by 19 points. And then South Carolina State, however many they're going to let be in here, uh, let's let's get them all in. And, um, you know, my, my son was out there singing Christmas carols last night when the other team was on the free throw line. And, uh, you know, my wife asked me, she said, what do you think about it? And I said, you know what? I loved it. I said, Any, anything to get some noise in there and anything to, you know, to – to make it feel like an environment, we, we need as much energy in there as we can get. Yeah, I think Dwight Covington's going to buy you dinner since you've gone into ticket pitch man here as we come to the end of this thing. But uh, And the other thing I guess we need to remind people, since we're kind of looking ahead a little bit, is that the, the four weekend at the well games, once we get later in the season, 
the way they've got that thing configured, we if, if I'm not mistaken, I think we can actually get about 4,000 fans in Bon Secours Wellness Arena, and, and that those four games are serving as our season ticket package. So, man, that, that's, a, that's a huge opportunity for us to get a bunch of people to see this basketball team. Maybe the only four times we'll get anything close to that this year. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's going to be fun. And, um, you know, I, I can't really go into details on, on a lot of that stuff right now. But there's there's more good news with some of that and the exposure we're going to get. And, you know, I think, you know, I anticipate TV picking up a couple of those games. So it's, you know, this is this is look, we got a great group and um, we're, we're not anywhere close to perfect. But, man, these kids are playing so hard and they're trying and they're coming to work. And, um, you know, we, we've we've got we've got a team that if we can stay focused and we can continue to, to gain those marginal gains and find a ways to improve this, this could be, it already is an exciting ball club. I mean, you look at the pace that we're playing at and the tempo and the defense and, you know, it's, it's a fun group to watch. And I think it's, I think as our depth gets more comfortable, it's only going to be more fun. And um, I encourage anybody out there, if you haven't, if you haven't gotten those well tickets yet, uh, jump on that and, and make sure we have as many people supporting this group as we can. All right, finally, uh, and uh, with uh, tongue firmly planted in cheek, in, in the two hours since the announcement has been made, have you wrapped up your scouting report on the College of Charleston for Saturday? Yeah, we're pretty close. Uh, our staff, you know, it was funny. I guess I left this out. I mean, Coach Grove was like literally walking in my office Tuesday to give me the completed Richmond scout when we saw the tweet. And, um, and so he's like, He's like, well, I got this all done. Do you want me to give it to you? And I said, yeah, give it to me just so I have it. And, and so what we did was when we started researching some other opponents, we, I basically went ahead and gave those out um, in anticipation. So we had, I gave Coach Johnson Charleston. He had them when he worked, was an assistant to James Madison. And then um, I gave Coach Fowler Stanford. And then we gave Coach Williams another one. And, um, and so that way we were going to be prepared. And, and so... Coach Johnson's done a great job, you know, in the past, you know, basically 36 hours to, to put some things together. And uh, we've broken down both their game film. And and, and I think we're, we're, we're pretty much, I wouldn't say we're right on schedule. You know, it'd be done. It would have been done by Tuesday in, in a normal situation. But with the circumstances, we're, 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 um, we're on pace to be able to do what we need to do to prepare for the game. As close to being on schedule as is possible. That's right. Yeah. Well, Bob, Bob, listen, unless you've got anything else, I think we've pretty much uh, run the gamut on it. But it, it's just fascinating, I think, for our fans to hear how this whole process worked out, getting from thinking you're going to play Richmond to ending up with the College of Charleston. Um, you, you're always talking about reading books as we close. You, you ever think about writing one, and, and what would this chapter look like? Yeah, I don't know. I, I was never a good writer in, in high school, so uh, I'm not quite sure how that would go. But, you know, it's um, this 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 is definitely going to be something we all look back on. And there's going to be a lot of stories and a lot of learning moments. And, um, you know, just just yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely been an interesting nine months, 10 months, I guess, getting close or whatever it is. I've, I've kind of lost track, but <laughs> it's um, it's something we'll all look back on it. And I think there'll be some there'll be some gains from it and, and there'll be some deeper perspectives from it. There'll be some, some things that we're probably a little bit more thankful for from it. And, um, you know, you just got to continue to walk through it and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get through it. This too shall pass. All right, Bob, as always, thank you very much. Hey, last thing. I know we talked about tickets. I know yeah. they're selling them in Charleston. So um, take a trip down 26, 
And um, Furman fans, come on, come on, see if you can get on the website. Let's throw a little purple in the building, and um, let's go, let's go have fun. I like it, and we'll see him on Saturday. All right, sounds good. Thanks, Dan. And with that, we put a wrap on another edition, another episode, if you will, episode 46 of the All Den Podcast. Our thanks to head coach Bob Ritchie. Thanks to Shortfields for continuing to sponsor it. Shortfields.com is the website. You can check them out online and see the menu and the operating hours there. And I'll remind you one more time that if you would uh, like to drop a line to ask Coach Ritchie a question or suggest a topic to talk about, dan.scott at furman.edu, dan.scott at Furman. Edu. And again, if you listen to this prior to the game in Charleston on Saturday, tickets are available uh, for the College of Charleston game. I, I think I was told uh, that uh, they're going to have about 1,500 people in the facility, so we can get some purple in there. And then after that, it's the uh, game at the University of Cincinnati, a 5 o'clock start on Wednesday of next week, Wednesday, December the 9th. Listen, have yourself a, a great weekend. Let's uh, see if Furman can continue to roll on here in the early part of this basketball season. And we'll be back with you in about two weeks for another edition of the All Den Podcast. For Coach Bob Ritchie and all of us here at Furman, I'm Dan Scott saying God bless you and so long, everybody, and thank you for being All Den.